Hey, everybody, welcome back. Welcome to our discussion of something that is a surprise to Russ. Yes, we are no, discussing the, the Final Fantasy guy. Oh, you mean Nobuo Uematsu? That's the guy that I, I mean. do mean uh, I, I want to be respectful to him, and so I'm not going to try and say his name so I don't butcher it. <laughs> we are joined, of course, it, it is Russ and I, we are joined by Chris Taylor, our musical expert. Nobuo Uematsu. That guy. And we're also joined by the princess. She doesn't want to say hi. She doesn't feel like saying hi right now, and that's okay. That is, so we respect everyone's level of comfort here. People who have been watching or listening to Home on the RNG for a very long time actually do know the princess. Her laughter shows up in bloopers of the earliest episodes because it started as a video project, and she was our camera woman for the first several episodes. She also ran the name that game that we played mm-hmm. with music. So her voice shows up in that one. So Princess is returning home to the RNG. I'm famous. It, we used to be a video podcast, and then too many people died looking at my image on screen. And we decided that audio was the better way to go. <laughs> it's so. certainly less work. I've killed more people than Sadako from the ring. It was a, <laughs> so. it was a safety concern eventually. Yeah, it really was. So Chris... Oh, hello. Take us on a magical journey discussing the works of a great man. Of a great man. I actually just found out that the kanji of, or the, the nobuo, like, actually means man. Like, it's just one of so those. his name is man. His name is man. That's apparently, that one. Apparently, it's, it's man, and then uimatsu is pine tree plant rising. Man, pine tree plant rising. Okay. I say we just call him guy. Guy. Fieri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He could get us a macaroni chicken blast. Guy Uimatsu. I like it. So yeah, uh, well, any fan of video game music is not going to need me to introduce Nobuo Uimatsu. He is the legendary, legendary He's composer. Legendary. Yeah. Composer of uh, pretty much all of the early Squaresoft stuff. Believe it or not, Final Fantasy was his 16th composition. Good lord. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy is like one of the first video games ever made. How is that possible? (laughs) So was he doing composition for like those racing games they did before Final Fantasy? Rad Racer. Rad Racer, yeah. He did. Okay. He he was the Rad Racer guy, also King's Knight. Also some stuff on the PC 8801 or whatever, Japanese computer that I... Even my level of, of, of obscurity enjoyment is still a dark area for me because it's hard to find that stuff. But yeah, so he was a uh, he was already kind of legendary by the time Final Fantasy One came out, which uh, he composed and then composed all the rest of them up until ten, which he kind of split with some other people, and then he said goodbye. And did he hear that Titus laughing in Final <laughs> Fantasy Ten and was like, "I can't do this anymore. Oh God. <laughs> we're, we're done." <laughs> You know what, though? Do, composing 10 games in a series, that's a good run. Like, that's a good, good run. run. That, that really is a time to consider, like, do I ever want to work on anything else for the rest of my life? Because yeah. this is the time. I mean, does it really count as a series, though? They're not really related. That's kind of fair. I mean, yeah, I make the comparison really between it and Dragon Quest all the time, where Dragon Quest keeps refining what works, and thema- thematically they are fairly similar, whereas Final Fantasy reinvents itself mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. 
And Nobuo is slightly less racist, so that's good, too. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> slightly. I say slightly. He worked on Square's Tom Sawyer. Oh, my. Oh, Look okay. at that game before you say oh he's dear. not. Well, before you he... say he's 0% racist, look yeah. at that did, game. Did he just do the music? Yeah, he just did the music. Does the music contain no-no words? <laughs> no, but, again, it's through through complicitness of okay. being, sure. being okay. in a game that is as racist as Square's Tom Sawyer. This is going in a direction I didn't even think it was going to go. <laughs> We're not even out of the introduction yet. This is why I probably should take notes ever. Uh, so yeah, he is, again, a legendary composer who composed for the bulk of the Final Fantasies through the 80s and 90s. And um, yeah, he utilized a very, a very elaborate style of basically taking... Uh, some of the most beautiful songs you'll ever hear, you know, both operatic and simply, you know, pastoral or, you know, just plain old good classical style orchestral music, and then mixing it in with a little bit of good old 70s like prog rock, uh, you know, your Emerson, Lincoln Palmer or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of like taking all that. And he was also a master of uh, what we call leitmotif, which is where you take a song and then you make another song, but you add a little bit of reference to that first song. Okay, I, I noticed that a lot from Final Fantasy VI. Exactly. Right? And those, Final character Fantasy theme, those character <laughs> themes are woven throughout the game. Yep. And the first few notes you hear from uh, the, the Red Barons flying over uh, to Mysidia in you know that, that song, the Red mm-hmm. Wings theme, mm-hmm. you'll hear that in the Overworld theme. You'll also hear it in certain dramatic scenes, especially ones involving people who are like close to uh, Cecil and like, you know, in the kingdom of Baron, like all of those things that's, that's called in musical terms, elite motif. But, uh, Nobuo was one of the people who did it best. He absolutely was great about taking a central theme and kind of building this whole soundtrack around it. And that sort of became his legacy. So yeah, he did that for all the games and then he just kind of fluffed off. So I think we're just going to talk about the first 10, uh, first nine or 10 final fantasies, right? However you want to do this is how we're doing it. Well, we've already brought up Square's Tom Sawyer, so I think we've exhausted <laughs> all of the all of the extracurricular stuff. And of course, we mentioned Rad Racer, which is uh, inevitable. Rad Racer and Tom Sawyer, really yeah. the cornerstones the of any cornerstone. musical discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really just kind of feel like if we just talk about our favorites, that that would be cool, because I don't want to go game by game, because it's going to be a lot of the same story. Did he write the lyrics? To the opera that Celie sings in Final Fantasy VI? Yes. Okay. At least uh, the Japanese lyrics. Yeah, exactly. So the story there, yeah, is that he wrote the opera scene there. It kind of became this runaway hit that I think even he wasn't expecting. Because if you think about it, it's a comedy scene. It's a person mm-hmm. who doesn't sing being forced to sing in order to fool a, uh, a kidnapper. Yeah. Censor <laughs> um, didn't really age well. No. Looking as back. A, as he, a he did not survive the Me Too movement. <laughs> he didn't survive This is Me why Setzer does not have his own game now. No, it, yeah. Exactly. So he's a very thirsty man and uh, was easily thwarted by somebody who can't sing opera and, you know, does probably didn't look like too much like that other lady um we never get to see by the way we get to see a picture of her in ozer's house later and it is the same sprite but 
Yeah, but still. Yeah, still. I would have liked to have met her. I right? think Maria needs some agency of Why her Why doesn't own. Maria appear in the game? Do you think Celeste might have been Maria this whole time? Oh, maybe she was. <gasps> That's maybe why she, she can sing. sing. She had a, yeah. Yeah. She she moonlighted. Is that Have you seen in Pixel Remaster what they've done with that scene? Not yet. I'm, I'm playing it right now. Oh, I've heard my. of it, though. Yes. Here's the thing, though. Why didn't they just do that with the whole game? Well, that's what I was thinking after I saw it. Yeah. That's probably uh, no, why I, it I, took so much longer to come out than the other ones. Yeah, from, yeah. So what we're talking about is from what I've heard, the, the, the opera scene is the scene. 2D HD. They do the 2D HD. Nice. Like Octopath scene. Traveler, but just for that scene and not the whole game, which seems uh, like a waste. And yeah, Although people... they, they did it for Live a Live or Live Alive. Live Alive, which I didn't know I was saying I didn't wrong know it was Live Alive, thing. yeah. <laughs> I've been saying Live a Live since, we, since I heard of it, and then they come out and like, we're doing Live Alive, and I went, crap i have to like take all our episodes offline now <laughs> so that opera scene yeah it got translated into english although there was a version in italian it's supposed to be italian the the title of it are. mezzo aria cantare mm-hmm. whatever is uh is italian but they actually they actually what they did with that is translated it and performed it in seven different language for the pixel remaster and Nobuo heard them all, and apparently he just cried because he loved hearing that song in all these languages he didn't recognize. Because mm. uh, historically, it was always in English or Japan or Japanese or like you know occasionally Italian. Which is a very big change from the Dragon Quest composer <laughs> not wanting his music released outside of Japan. <laughs> <Right>. No, <laughs> yeah, he got his own copyrights. We're gonna talk about him, I guess, later. So yeah, the opera scene, yeah, that was a huge, huge moment. And yeah, again, it was born out of a comedic scene of a, of a lady trying to fool a, a thirsty man and an octopus. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. I love the character themes for four and six. Yes. I, I love them so much. Yeah. And I think they're utilized very well. Yeah, um, one of the most clever things I think he ever did, um, going back to Six, because, you know, I feel like Six is kind of the pinnacle of what he achieved. But, you know, that's arguable, of course. But anyways, the fact that the ending to Final Fantasy VI is a compilation of all of the character themes woven together Mm -hmm. in one big work, that is super hard to do as a composer. And, like, he pulled it off... Well, especially when those themes go from, like... I'm trying to think like Cyan's theme yeah. with its very strong Eastern sound to right. like Gogo's theme, which is carnival <laughs> circus music. Yeah, uh, Gogo's theme is very nautical sounding to me. <laughs> it, all, it, it also sounds a little bit like Mysidia from Fuller, just in terms that's of great, like the goofy bounce back and forth. That's a great point, actually. Yeah, it's it's very eccentric, which, yeah, by the way, I think that Nobuo like wrote such interesting like comedic themes like the Miss Idiot theme that uh you know Gogo's theme and like the the confusion theme in FF6 as well which is uh when you're talking to the weird old man in the you know mm, next to the belt yes. yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah that theme comes up several times in that game I never thought of it as having a name before but yeah I forget what it's called it's called something like huh what or you know some <laughs> some confusion type of uh of name it always makes me slightly uncomfortable and i don't know why there's something about that (laughs) yeah yeah and i think he also like really had an interest in world music so that's why he liked to incorporate like kind of different nationalities like themes into like his characters and stuff because there's honestly if you look at it there's no reason why cyan or cayenne as he's called in the japanese version thank you 
I don't know who the cyan person is. (laughs) Oh, yes. We're back to Jeff can't pronounce things. I think my favorite game. By the way, there's not a samurai named cyan. Well, it's the color is cyan and it's spelled the same. (laughs) What I love is that like, okay, so because of the character limit that had to be imposed on Final Fantasy VI due to data restrictions, Ted Woolsey was, of course, forced to make a lot of decisions as to what kind of dialogue to cut. Oh, Ted Woolsey. When they came across this character, Cayenne, which is like, you know, 17 or 18 letters in English, he was like, well, cyan is a word. I can just shorten it to C-Y-A-N and just have it be that. And like, he's already blue, but like, I think his blue is more like a periwinkle. (laughs) It's not actually cyan. (laughs) I would, I I will now think of him as periwinkle from now on. I would love to name him periwinkle. (laughs) Periwinkle the samurai. I mean, we could call him Perry. That would fit. And the, the thing about it, though, is that what I love about the Doma theme and stuff is that you don't really think of it as being any kind of, like, Eastern influence until you hear that music. Mm-hmm. And then True. it's just no question. Yeah, yeah. Doma does not, does not look yeah, like unlike, Eastern. Unlike Fabul in Final Fantasy mm-hmm. IV, which is all yeah. karate dudes that yeah with their shirts off yeah. and stuff. Except for the king, who just looks like a king. The king. I don't know. And they're still in like a Western castle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're in a West. <laughs> There's no reason for them to be karate dudes, and all of them get killed like in the first wave of attacks. Right. It's like we're dude. the legendary warriors. Don't test us because we'll fail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, by the way, the that bull theme goes hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. I'm trying not to hum that's, too many themes. That's but. when you reach for the remote, like, sh- volume down, volume down, volume <laughs> yeah. down. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's, that's like, the Super Nintendo era of, uh, of his stuff. And, I, you know, of course, it's impossible to talk about him, too, without going over the battle themes of the different yes. games. That is, I think, his pride and joy. And, again, where I think a lot of uh, the two things that I think of when I think of a, a Nobuo battle theme is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, just some, like, 70s, like, you know, prog rock, like, you know, nine keyboards at once kind of, like, song. And then, like, bullfighting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For some reason, I hear, like, this, not flamenco, but what's the bullfighting music called? Um, anyway, uh, I'll get it wrong if I don't look at my phone. But yeah, I uh, I really like the battle theme. What do you guys think? I don't like the battle theme from Final Fantasy One as much. Really, it, feel, it doesn't feel like it fits for me. Gotcha. What I love about it is that I learned it on bass, and it has this rundown like this. It scales down, and it's impossible to play. So I think that's why people don't cover it. <laughs> I think my favorite is four. Yeah, four I've, is so good. Four is great. Um, I also like well. I should say what I don't like about eight is that I don't really like Squall's battle theme that much, but I like Laguna's obviously, which is so Laguna's is so iconic. And the amount of time you get to play as him is so small. You don't (laughs) hear it. It always felt like a relief to be playing as Laguna after playing a drip like Squall. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the battle theme in eight is, I mean, he's like a military academy student, so yeah. I feel like his battle theme is very militaristic sounding to me. And then Laguna, being the like wandering journalist, is like fun <laughs> and peppy and upbeat. Yeah, and... it's like a sports theme almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, and I like that uh, that Nobuo like would make that separation when it comes to like that kind of stuff. Because, um, as I understand it, 
eight was in an earlier draft it was split between squall and laguna much more in yeah. terms of the story you would really be playing half a squall and half as laguna in the laguna's part could we just play the laguna game I god play yeah. that. Let's, <laughs> laguna. let's get a yeah let's... They, they picked the wrong one to expand they, they <laughs> should yeah they should have made like a crisis core version of like final fantasy eight where it's just laguna yeah that would have been great. That's a good segue too, like going from like Super Nintendo to like PlayStation. I really think that another thing that he did that really, really effectively in going to Final Fantasy VII was to throw in a little bit more of an edge on the music, um, including like that those who fight and those who fight further, you know, battle and boss battle themes, uh, especially with like the really cool like rising, you know, the like rising melody of like of those who fight. You know, and then another one joins. Yeah, try not to hum too much. Join us next week for Chris sings the soundtrack. Yeah, I do it too. And then, of course, you know those who fight further coming in with that chuggy electric guitar, which we get to hear for the first time. You know, you hear like the the Super Nintendo like equivalent of it in like Final Fantasy VI and whatnot. But yeah, it was such a cool moment to hear like something that actually sounds like you know like real metal guitars and stuff did he do the ject boss battle theme i think that was someone else okay Um, i'm glad i didn't start talking about how much i love it then yeah it's i haven't beaten final fantasy 10 myself and i i haven't spent any like time being obsessed with it like the others so yeah i i honestly am googling it right now so yeah you play through final fantasy 10 and for me personally because i'm musically agnostic not a lot of the soundtrack sticks out to me about 10 it's fine i don't have problems with it but then you get to that ject battle at the end and it's like we just change genres (laughs) because this is flat out heavy metal and it rules what happened? Did they bring in some other guy just to do this one song? It does not match thematically with the rest of the game at all. <laughs> Somebody was just joking um, about Rammstein. That was me stalling for time so you could look it up. Yeah. So apparently, Uematsu did compose the song, and the but the performer is Bill Muir, who... I don't know. Is that somebody from Rammstein? I don't know who Bill Muir is. I think he did Politically Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Let's not talk about him. He also starred in the classic movie Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. I can sing the Seventh Saga song while we... Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I I would love it if you didn't. (laughs) Even better. Uh, Bill Muir was the front man for X Till I Die X. Uh, All one word. Which is Till I Die, a straight edge hardcore punk band that toured Japan from 1998 to 2002 in an attempt at popularizing the straight edge subculture. Ooh. So the Battle Eject is a straight edge dude that was in Japan at the time. Nice, nice. But, but composed by Uematsu. Composed by Uematsu, yes, and just goes to show the man had range. Yeah, the, that's incredible range. Yeah, to go from Mysidia to Ject. <laughs> In only eight years? <laughs> wow. That's... Those games used to come out yeah. like hotcakes. They really did. Yeah. You know? Now it's, God, when when did 15 come out and we're still waiting on 16? 15 came out in 2016. Yeah. Now, what I like about 15 is that most of it was actually composed by Yoko Shimomura, who is the composer of things like Street Fighter 2, Super Mario RPG, and all the Mario RPGs. She did like most of Kingdom Hearts as well. Wow. And she's she's a legendary composer in her own right, but yeah, she was she did like eighty percent of Final Fantasy fifteen. Oh, I'm glad I had something going for it. 
I've, yeah. I've never touched 15. I will have, I'll have to play it at some and point. And you missed out on all of the butt poking. <laughs> Was that a euphemism? Boys poking each other <laughs> while camping at night in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, Uematsu, huh? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, speaking of other things that he did, and speaking of prog rock, uh, so he also, outside Sorry, we were of talking about Fantasy, prod Rock. Prod rock, gotcha. I'm making a finger-poking gesture. You can't see it. But you You can see it. But yeah, like in 2006, he uh, composed the soundtrack for Blue Dragon, which was the less popular... Blue Dragon. The less popular (laughs) collaboration between Enix people and Square people that, uh, yeah, it didn't do so well as, like, Chrono Trigger. But anyway, what he did in that, and I, I... feel like this is like i think a victory a personal victory for him i don't feel like this was anything other than him just getting to fulfill a dream but one thing that uh uematsu was always really always really into was the music of deep purple they did we know that they did smoke on the water but they actually came out with lots and lots of other songs every single one better than smoke on the water which is not a good song yeah he always admired them to the to the extent that Rad Racer's Japanese name is Highway Star, which is one of their bigger hits. Hmm. So their vocalist for their most popular period is Ian Gillen. And yeah, he's the guy who sang Smoke on the Water, Highway Star. You know, you, you probably know most of the stuff that he did if you've ever heard the band. So and like if you listen to like some of Deep Purple and you hear like some of the organ work of, uh, of John Lord, you're like, oh, that sounds like I've heard that in a Final Fantasy before. Hmm. So like it's it you can trace a line between Deep Purple and Final Fantasy music. In 2006, he wrote the music for Blue Dragon, including a boss theme, which he actually has. It actually has a full vocal part with lyrics sung by Ian Gillen. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he got to uh, work with one of his heroes, and I feel like. There's no reason Ian Gillen would have been in a video game otherwise. I think that was literally just Uematsu being like, oh, we have a budget, do we? Well. My deep purple cover band is called Light Cyan. Nice. That was wonderful. I'm laughing so hard right now. I'm going to edit that out. That was the funniest thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm just going to cut that out. Okay. Nobody will know it happened. (laughs) I might might put in some laughter. Hold on. Just... I was going for that button. <laughs> I hope I, <laughs> I hope this becomes a sound effects podcast. That's that's what we need. We need some shallow periwinkle. Oh yes. That's a good band name actually. Uh so what were we talking about? Uematsu. Uematsu. We we're talking about yeah, battle themes. We talked about the Blue classic Dragon. victory jingle. Huh? The victory jingle. The victory jingle, which goes all the way back all the way back to the first game mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what about the victory jingle i it, i just i'd like that it's kind of the one piece that has stuck throughout yeah. that didn't get reinvented upon uh and it, it even shows up in advent children as like a ringtone mm-hmm. so really it, it's, it's to the point yeah uh, that's funny there's a fight sequence in advent children and then all of a sudden you hear the victory tone and it turns out oh fight's over <laughs> Got a phone call. Like, I like in Final Fantasy VII Remake how sometimes Barrett, after a battle, just sings it. Dun, 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 dun. That's brilliant. Neptune also sings it in Hyper I don't want to hear about Hyper Neptunia. You need to shut your mouth. 
We don't talk about that. <laughs> Until we review it. Never. Veto. I think Kenji Ito worked on one of the Hyper Dimension Neptunia games. Anyway. I think we're getting far afield here. So, in ramping up, what else do we want to touch upon? What did he do besides Blue Dragon after Final Fantasy? Well, let me see if there's anything on Wikipedia here. No. <laughs> Seventh Saga. When I see their happy faces smiling back at me. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did stuff like Lost Odyssey. Um, Lost Odyssey is great. He did Lost Odyssey. Yeah, and um, it's a uh, kind of a forgotten classic, really. It's so good. I, I remember did... when we tried to get it running on our laptops. <laughs> along with along with Kenji Ito, he uh, he worked on Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory. Oh great! <laughs> oh dear! So he's come a long way, baby. Yeah. He also did a he did a couple of songs for a game that is near and dear to my heart. It's another Compile Heart Idea Factory game called uh, Fairy Fencer F. I've played some Fairy Fencer F. I, I played yeah. through all three story arcs of the wow. Dark, Dark Force Advent version of it. Okay. I I actually quite love that game. Fang is one of my favorite male protagonists of all time. But uh, yeah, he did stuff like that and just like lots of. <laughs> Lots of like mobile stuff. I don't know. He supposedly Didn't they also get Amano to do art for Fairy Fencer F. Yeah, he did like the cover art and okay. like a couple of pieces for it, but that's about it. Okay. The rest of it is just Idea Factory style okay. anime. Okay. Also, he's overseen the uh, the soundtracks to all the Final Fantasy Pixel remasters that are out. And one interesting one that I actually reviewed recently it was called Dungeon Encounters. Which is the most generic name Yikes. in the world. That sounds like a dating sim. Dunge I was yeah. going to say Dungeon Encounters is like, I don't want to have an encounter like that in a dungeon. <laughs> well, see, it's you're dating dungeons as personified. Oh, like as. a light novel. Like I was reincarnated as a vending machine in another world. Exactly. Nice. All of the dungeons are personified, and so you get to pick which dungeon you like yeah, the most. Like Sword Boyfriend or whatever it's called. Had a full boyfriend, too. Well... They're just pigeons. Well, those are in that pigeons. One. Yeah. I'm talking about the one where they're swords. I'm sorry. Okay. But yeah, like so, this game came out. It's like it's Squared's version of a hardcore dungeon crawler, a la like Wizardry or something. And it's a weird game because somebody was like, they must have asked somebody, like, okay, what's a dungeon crawler like? I don't know. I don't have the internet. Uh, describe it to me. And they're like, okay, well, it's a dungeon where you go through and it's really, really hard and there's no map, so you have to like draw the map on graph paper. And they're like, okay, a game on graph paper, got it. <laughs> and so they made this game where you're literally walking around on a grid like you're on graph paper. Oh. And you fight... So they went too literal. Yeah, they went way literal with it. It is very hard. It's got permadeath. It's like, it's a wacky, crazy game. And the soundtrack is by Nobuo, and it's so minimal. It's like there's a hub town that has a town theme that sounds just like one of the old, like, you know, original Final Fantasy town themes, uh, which, by the way, Nobuo, amazing at town themes. And since he did the original saga, that's actually one of my favorite town themes was the one he did for original Final Fantasy Legend. But yeah, it's a great town theme. And then you get into the dungeon, and it's like nothing. And then you get into a fight, and it's just two chuggy electric guitars just going no drums no bass no keyboard why do you bring him in and not let him just do wall-to-wall -wall sound i don't know <laughs> it's like it's such a mystery like his soundtrack for dungeon encounters is a mystery to me he also did final fantasy legend 2 right did he do legend 2 he did some of legend 2 okay. and plus they reused some of the music for legend 2 yeah. like the title theme 
It's uh, just my was, favorite Game Boy soundtrack. It was anything. him and then Kenji Ito, and I don't remember the mm. the balance between them. And then Legend 3 was Ryuji Sasai, which is the Final Fantasy Mystic Quest composer. So all three games had different composers. My favorite Final Fantasy, Mystic Quest. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, no Nobuo in uh, in Mystic Quest, and yet we have mentioned it. Mystic Quest Darn. has got the good heavy metal soundtrack, yes. though. Yeah, yeah Ryuji Sasai is a legend. We can talk about him any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap us up for our, our Uimatsu discussion for now. We may come back and talk about him in the future. There are sure. more Final Fantasy games coming, but uh, I thought it Final might Fantasy be... Final Fantasy 16 will be out one day. Not that he'll necessarily that he'll work be. on it, but... He probably won't. <laughs> I hope it's the guy that did 14 that does Lahi. Oh, didn't I think I heard something about that? Yeah. Somebody with 14 is involved in 16. I, I don't I think know it's the producer sure. of like the game. Oh, like, okay. The game 14 is involved in 16. Well, the composer of 14 is a character, and I love him. I'll have to show <laughs> you all something after the podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Thank yeah. you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back. Seventh heaven. Oh god. When I see their smiling faces. When we did the Seventh Saga review, every time I think of Seventh Saga, I sing Seventh Saga. <laughs> when I see their happy faces smiling back at me. Seventh Saga. I know there's no greater feeling than the love of a family. I think you missed your calling. Where can you go <laughs> when the world don't treat you right? The answer is home. That's the one place that you'll find. You know, I never thought of myself as seven a saga, and yet I sign up for this over seven and over saga. again. Anyway, <laughs> Russ has now been muted so that we can begin the episode.